0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 169 of the Movie Maniacs Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a brand new episode for you. It's been a minute. It's been a while to get through episode 169 because I have actually recorded this episode twice over the course of two weeks, and it just hasn't materialized the way I was hoping I had to pause recording for something else, and then I had to delete the episode that I had originally recorded because I just wasn't loving the way the episode had had come out, so we're finally here, episode 169, sorry that it's been a minute, but we're back with a lot to talk about, in this episode we're going to be talking a lot about The Creator, which came out this weekend, saw 10 and paw patrol 2 did debut this weekend as well i did not see either of those and i may see saw 10 at some point but i'm not sure if i'll get a chance to see that but we'll just have to see we've got a lot of other movie news to discuss Uh, a a great concert film that i saw last weekend that i want to talk a little bit about and then we're going to get into some trailers we got the trailer for The Fall of the House of Usher by Mike Flanagan. We got the Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom trailer finally. Talk a little bit about The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That, that movie got a new trailer. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. We got the new trailer for the Wish film, the new Disney movie. Talk a little bit about that. Dive into some Disney conversation. We got the trailer for the new um, oh, Matthew Vaughn film, Argyle, which – did not go the way i had expected so we're gonna talk about that and then we're also going to get into the strikes being over talk a little bit about that and a few other things along the way a little bit of ahsoka even though i haven't been watching the show it's going to be a good opportunity to talk a little about the star wars fan base where it's at can we still improve and the good and the bad of trying to appeal to the fan base. We're just going to talk a little bit about that and see if we can get any definitive answers, because as of right now, I don't have any. We're going to see if we'll be able to work them out. Now, the first thing that I want to go ahead and talk about is the creator right off the bat. Shouldn't it be much of a spoiler interview? So if you're looking to know whether or not this is a movie that you need to see, I'm here for you. We're going to figure it out. So the creator is directed by... Rogue One director, Gareth Edwards, he also directed that 2014 film, Godzilla, uh, the American version, and I'm not personally a big fan of Godzilla 2014, Got it's got some great shots, I think Edwards' directing from a visual standpoint is a standout at times, even though I also felt like that movie was really bogged down in how dull it looked visually and the color palette choices just did not really speak to me now rogue one on the other hand to me is is one of my favorite star wars films of all time my dad and i rewatched rogue one last year in theaters imax i believe for its must have been 5th year anniversary right 5th year anniversary and we rewatched that in imax and what an amazing amazing film is it perfect no but i love rogue one and it doesn't get enough praise and i for one don't sing its praises enough quite frankly and when it comes to looking at the disney era of star wars we are going to talk a lot about that when we get to the ahsoka conversation but gareth edwards really shone through for me in his ability to have a really unique war movie-esque feel To Star Wars, it was something different. It didn't feel like it was trying to ape George Lucas in the same way J.J. Abrams did. And it didn't really come with all the mess that I thought like Ryan Johnson brought in The Last Jedi. And I respect Ryan Johnson a lot. Knives Out is a, a film that I love and a film that I've given a lot of props to over the years of the show. But that vision was just something that I really wasn't on board for rogue one on the other hand just has everything i have wanted from new star wars a proper uh tribute to the past as well as creating characters that i have interest in and want to see how they play out is it the most original like script i don't think so but in terms of star wars it's what i've wanted for a while it has a unique feel the darth vader moment like i remember when i saw the rogue one for the first time in theaters That was such a, like, that was like the best thing I'd ever seen. Like, it was amazing. And that scene still hits for me, watching it many more times since I first saw it all the way back in 2016. Interesting about Gareth Edwards. He has not made a film since Rogue One. So this is him coming back after a seven-year break. I don't know if he just wanted to take some time off, if he was just working on this. If that is the case, I get it because this is a very intricate world that he has crafted here. I would have the I would have a few critiques at the same time if that was the case because of some of the script issues that I have with the creator that just clearly need more sharpening, to, to say the least. But we're going to talk a little bit about this movie. From the first trailer, the creator wasn't mind-blowing, but I was very much interested in... What this film was going to have to offer, it had really unique sci-fi. Just as a as a fan of science fiction myself, it was just really a, a magnificent two and a half minute trailer of just like sci-fi images that I think look awesome, look like something I would want to spend. 2 hours plus in and it was original. It was an original story that had gripping moments of emotion from the trailer. It just seemed like a really solid film that I expected to be a masterpiece. For example, I, I a Dune or a Blade Runner 2049, I did not expect that. I that wasn't what my expectations were going in, but I was looking for a really good 8 out of 10 uh movie. Once we start got, getting our early reactions, I did start to get a little bit more nervous. I was hearing it was a doll. I was hearing the script didn't quite match the visuals. And that is just something you're going to find in some of these big sci-fi show stops. Like I think the creator is visually. It's a phenomenal piece of work by Gareth Edwards and cinematographer Greg Frazier who did, I believe, Dune and the batman that we're talking about i think one of the best cinematographers working today and visually i heard you know it completely meets the mark and and surpasses what we expected and the real shocker and just what's so impressive about what the creator does visually is the low uh, resources that gareth edwards had to work with here Only an $80 million budget, which for a big sci-fi blockbuster, that's not a lot, right? When looking at the grand landscape of Hollywood, that's not a lot. And then add to that, he shot this on the Sony FX3. I'm not a big camera guy, but that's a $4,000 camera. That's not a high-end camera. And yet this movie is, in my opinion, one of the more visually stunning films this year one of the more visually stunning movies of the decade thus far it's just an impressive feat that gareth edwards and uh his fellow team were able to conjure up here i mean this is a not just gareth edwards this is a team of people that really brought this unique sci-fi world onto the big screen for it to look this good is insanely impressive and I hope that that comes across to people while watching this is just like not only is this movie visually magnificent but it is way cheaper than your MCU film, your DC film, right? And yet it looks way better than these movies. And listen, I'm not here to say that what Marvel goes through or what Marvel goes like aims for with their visuals or what DC aims for. It's a tall task, but man, look to see what this team has been able to pull off here. of the creator from a visual standpoint, it is astonishing. It's impressive. It's well worth the praise that it's been getting. And it's just as a, as somebody that's a fan of these types of stories of a director like Gareth Edwards, taking this 80 million dollar budget, this Sony FX three, camera this four thousand dollar camera and just going out there this movie feels real it feels tactile it doesn't feel green screen even though there may be uses at times but it feels like they went to locations and then brought these sci-fi elements with them all of these factors to me are just insanely impressive and worth giving praise to this is something that in a time where we've gotten films like shazam 2 or Ant-Man the Wasp, Quantumania. These big budget, you know, $100 million plus films. And for them to just look, I mean, really poor. And nothing against these directors, but just not a strong vision. Not a, a strong directorial vision or or vision that i can give any amount of respect to one of the few that have been able to pull that off in these big mcu studio landscapes is james gunn but we're talking about james gunn here like that's one out of many directors that have tackled the mcu or done an mcu film and their style just gets lost in the shuffle and it feels more like a kevin feige film than it does a uh I don't know who uh, whoever directed *Amy and the Wasps* *Quantumania*, Peyton Reed film, and that's nothing against those directors, but it's a more studio film than it is a director film. I'm a fan of director films. Gareth Edwards being able to pull this film off to me is insane. Props to him, worth respecting, and I hope people go to support this film. Unfortunately, it's not having the strongest opening and. I have been asking for more movies like The Creator for a while to finally get something like this, which comes with its flaws, but The Creator, if it has the right impact this year, can be one of those boundary-pushing films reminding studios, we don't want the producer's vision, we want the director's vision, and I believe The Creator is a great example of that. I hope people go and support this film. I think... People should go see this film. Even though I have issues uh, from a script standpoint, go watch this film. I think you'll have a a good experience with it visually. It's impressive. I mean, I've said that many times already in this review, and it has some really interesting things to say. And from a story standpoint, is it perfect? No, but I thought there were a lot of fascinating elements and did promote a or provoke a conversation uh between me and my parents after watching the movie and kind of talking a little bit about some of the things that it tackled. I think that's what sci-fi films should be doing. That's what movies themselves should be doing. They and movies don't do that enough these days. And to get a big uh like event kind of blockbuster like the creator and with this minimal budget and still be promoting these ideas, it's just A really nice thing to see in the year 2023, and I'll be interested in looking back on this year. I think that the creator will still be a standout for what this movie means in the year of 2023. This will be a standout for me when looking back at the end of the calendar year. Let's get into the actual intricacies of the film story-wise. I do have issues with The Crater. Uh, it's an AI-based film, right? So we're in a, this kind of sci-fi, uh, not exactly dystopian, but this futuristic world, right? And we're following John David Washington, who's playing this character called, oh, if I can pull up his name, uh, Joshua. And he has kind of this, we see in the opening scene, he's this kind of double agent type character who has these, Gray, dark elements of his past that he's kind of running from, and that's kind of the the. He's very much a a stereotypical, I would say, science fiction character. One that we do see a lot, and not, he's not exactly pushing any boundaries here. But I wasn't really something that I was asking for all that much. But it is something worth noting. John David Washington as our lead. I'm really kind of I'm kind of torn on. Uh, I have not been entirely sold by him. I thought he was good in uh, Black Klansman, uh the Spike Lee film a few years back. And then in Tenet, I thought he served Christopher Nolan's um directorial style and tone really well. I thought that his kind of monotone uh shell like a kind of like protagonist which was kind of one of the things it was a little bit uh a little bit funny unintentionally by Tenet, but He was kind of meant to be this character that we were merely to follow and, like, put ourselves in his shoes to go through these crazy events. And I thought he did a good job in that type of setting, in that type of role. Here, I could have just used a little bit more out of him, to be honest. He was a little... Plane, if, that, if that makes any sense. And there were times where I was watching that John David Washington is Denzel Washington's kid. And there were times where I was like, I could see Denzel Washington in him like I could get from like the way they were taught from the way he was talking, I could draw the similarities. And I just wanted more of that kind of like Denzel emotion and passion that I normally get from Denzel Washington performance. I was hoping that would translate more here. And there are those scenes where uh, John David Washington is crying or he's doing something emotional. I'm just not feeling it all that much. And that could also be a script issue. It could also be an issue with my lack of care for a lot of the main characters in the film, particularly our protagonists. I just don't have a lot of investment, in, and that could be a charisma issue, quite frankly, and I've actually thought that in Tenet, John David Washington had some good lines, I thought he had a little bit of charisma in the first couple acts, and some sly jokes that helped make that character a little bit more endearing to me personally, but... I just did not really get a whole lot of that out of his performance here. And I think it bites the movie a little bit. He's not terrible, but in a movie where one of my big issues is I just don't feel a whole lot of this movie's big moments, a really strong performance by John David Washington could have helped me get there. Unfortunately, I just didn't end up feeling like this was the type of vision that, or this was the type of performance I needed from john david washington which is unfortunate that being said i don't think he's terrible he's just i needed a little bit more and looking at the film's story as a whole i think that edwards is dealing with a lot of fascinating ideas he has some great world building this as a sci-fi landscape leave the visuals out of it but as just a sci-fi world the world of the creator is fascinating, it's interesting. I wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to dive in deeper. Edwards would give me these shots of like something interesting happening just in passing where I was like, dive more into that, like give me more of that. And that's what a sci-fi landscape, or a sci-fi world ought to evoke out of me. It ought to give me a desire to learn more, to want to learn more about this world. And I think that in that way Edwards really does succeed as a world. The creator is fascinating. It the way it builds up this universe was interesting. I was, you know, invested. When it gets down to the actual story, though, is where I do have my issues. It is not a terrible script, but it it suffers in many ways. It's far from a great script. And I think that at times it's tackling a lot of different ideas that just don't 100% pan out the way I was hoping. And it shows these great moments, you know, in passing. But I just personally wasn't as invested in this world or in this story, I should say, as much as I felt like I needed to. I could have used more, to be honest. And when it gets to the third act of the film, I had quite a few issues. Even though I think it was pretty solid, I was thinking like, This movie isn't two and a half hours. It's two hours and 13 minutes. There were about three times in the third act where I thought that the movie should have ended or was about to end. I do think there are some pacing issues at times in the overall progression of the story. It just felt a little wonky at times and didn't exactly flow in the... The way I would have liked for it to, or or it didn't feel as natural to me. And I think that that is an issue that Rogue One also kind of has in the second act in terms of progressing the overall story. That maybe I'm just, you know, not hitting the nail on the head here, but that was something that I was picking up on from the creator. And Gareth Edwards does do a lot of these similar notes in the, the story and like broader themes that I felt he did in Rogue One. And from a story standpoint, I do think that this movie feels a bit more like a carbon copy, a an artificial replicant of, or whatever that's going to Blade Runner, but an artificial copy of this, the story of Rogue One at times, right? We've got this rogue, uh, no pun intended, this kind of character that doesn't want a, a part of this broader world, but is forced in by outside forces and has has this battle or whatever this inner conflict at times but ultimately rises to the occasion becomes this hero very similar in my opinion to the Jin Erso character and also the the uh, Vietnam parallels in the third act of the crater and in the third act of rogue one were very noticeable to me and i think that that is fine like you can have those very obvious um uh, Influences, and I think that those are good influences to have in this kind of war film setting of the Rogue One and creator, Uh, they do have those types of influences. And I think that that is worth having, just in terms of making for really interesting, like war type settings and getting that type of imagery, I do think is good. And, and I liked a lot of the uh, Vietnam images that I felt Edwards was paying homage to in the creator. I thought that that made for interesting stuff i i thought that the film was going to end at that kind of standoff between the uh the a uh, the, between the robots and the uh um, american government kind of coming in and and uh having this kind of vietnam-esque standoff i thought that was where the film was going to end and then it keeps going and i felt like man i i was a little uh i guess critical of the way that Edwards progressed the third act but I don't think it's necessarily bad I was just a little perplexed I guess why he was choosing to make it a little bit of a wonky progression in its third act but that could be something that I'm I'm off on but it was I felt like it was something that I was picking up my investment in the Joshua character by John David Washington does hurt the film I just going through these two acts. I'm not really as invested as I would have hoped to be, but what I'm always going back to watching the film and why I don't think this is a terrible script is I'm fascinated by the world that Edwards has created and by the uh, pieces of world building that he's dropping as we go through the story. He's not going to spoon feed it to you Or Well, actually I should walk that back. I do think that there are moments where he is spoon feeding it to you, but it makes for something really fascinating to continue to learn about over the course of the movie. The more we start to learn about the world. That's to me what makes the creator a really fascinating ride and adventure into this sci fi universe. It's transportive. It's something like that. It's a world I enjoy spending time in and and learning more about. That was to me the biggest factor of engagement from the creator. And I do think Edwards asks some interesting questions when it comes to the overall theme of AI. I, I heard a few people say, oh no, another Hollywood AI movie. And I kind of don't agree with, <laughs> with that sentiment because now more than ever, AI is prevalent. It's, it's happening right now. We hear about it with the strikes that are that just ended in it and from the writer's side at least, the actor strike still goes on. but we're seeing uh, the world have to adapt in small steps and we're seeing that part of the world evolving in terms of AI. And I don't have a very like strong feeling on it. I think it's an interesting topic, but I don't I think that people that are cynical towards more AI centered sci-fi films are going to need to get over it a little bit because this is something that is only going to be more and more relevant in our culture today. And I like that we've gotten Mission Impossible Dead wrecking part one earlier this year tackling that in a very different way than the creator does, but still something that I got a level of um, interest out of. I really like the way that the creator dives into some of these really interesting topics around AI. And we also come across a character that has a romantic relationship with an AI and really kind of starts to blur those lines a little bit between what's real and what is not. There's a line that John David Washington goes back to a lot, in the first half of the film anytime like a robot gets killed or something he will tell a uh, the concerned child throughout the film the uh the robot child like alfie it's not real or i turned him off like this isn't real this isn't this doesn't mean anything it's a it's like unplugging a microwave it's like that same thing and i think that it's a really interesting thing for the creator and Gareth Edwards to really tackle and dive into. I got a lot of interest out of that. I think that it's a really fascinating thing to explore. And I like the way Edwards tackled it. Is it the highest uh, form of writing in order in the way of tackling AI? No, my go-to AI film is Ex Machina. It actually made me want to, the creator made me want to rewatch Ex Machina after i had uh finished the creator i get a lot of i get a lot of uh interesting brain food or food for thought after watching these types of films so i was thinking a lot about what edwards was saying and and some of the things that he does with ai and artificial beings really and are they real like what like diving into those ideas i personally think is really interesting and it I can't really relate to the idea of, oh, this is so overdone. And yet we've gotten a lot of it over the years. But this is something that I think can evolve in its storytelling. And it's going to be something I think we see a lot more of, not just in science fiction, but I mean, like movies now. Like AI is a factor. Like you can't really say that we're not going to get a movie potentially coming down the line about somebody that loses their job to AI. And this being a, a modern day movie. Like This is going to be something that we see more of out of films and art in general. So I like the way that the creator chose to tackle it. And when it comes to my investment in the film and its story, what I am constantly engaged in throughout when I'm not necessarily loving the story beats or just don't have the investment in the characters that I would have hoped, I'm going back to the world building. I'm going back to the themes tackling AI. That to me is my constant reliable source of engagement when I'm not as invested in the more uh, par for the course story beats. That and, and the film does take some twists and turns, none that necessarily blew my mind or anything, but did like I was interested in where the story was going to go. And I was still long for the ride, never exactly tuned out, but my endless source of engagement from the creator was its world building, and how it was tackling uh, the AI themes, which I found really interesting. Continuing on with that point, in terms of the story feeling a little bit lesser than what I was hoping it would be, what does work for me, like I said before, the expansion of the world, continuing to get to explore it, and as you continue to explore this world that Edwards has created and he starts to build the world, the themes become more engaging to me as a viewer. What misses more are the character moments. What misses more are our main, like our main storyline for our character and all that is kind of centered around back. I just, around that, I just didn't get as much as I necessarily would have hoped I would have gotten from that aspect of the, of the film. And, to me that makes the film fall short a little bit it does lower my engagement level and that all being said though it is a very solid film and i think if you're especially if you are a sci-fi fan go watch this movie a hundred percent go watch this movie is this the genre at its best in terms of the visuals it's up there a hundred percent it's insanely impressive the shots throughout this film with the the way they incorporate some of the robot imagery and just the landscapes it's a gorgeous gorgeous film and i can't and i don't think this is necessarily a case of when i recommend this it being you know a style over substance type of deal i think there is substance to be found with the creator but I think this is a movie that sci-fi fans are 100% going to get something out of. And if you're new to the genre, I think that this movie isn't overly complex enough for you know newer people interested in the genre to, to get. I think that people can enjoy the film from all angles. And if you're not into the story as much, I mean, just sit back and watch the visuals. It's insane what Gareth Edwards and Greg Frazier, who very similar uh to Hoyt van Hoytema this year with oppenheimer he is another cinematographer in my opinion that is becoming one of those must see cinematographers the work he did on the batman i thought was the best of last year dune and rogue one all three really impressive uh, visuals and the creator is a really high watermark for him it's a it's a recommend for me it is not a masterpiece it is not a great film but a very solid one at that a seven out of ten for me go watch it go support this movie while it does maybe not have all of the like amazing flashes of like in of genius writing to get an original story like this this impressively done in terms of a vision on a, a big IMAX screen, original story, director led. I just hope we get more films like this, and I hope the creator is a type of film that will show studios that, and maybe not. For, I I think this is the type of stuff that makes the best films, and hopefully, studios will take notes from this and continue to make more movies like this. Director led, M- not the studio but by the director. So I hope that we get to see more of that in the future. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I I don't have a lot of high hopes that studios will be able to take the right notes here, but I'm really hoping that the success of the creator, if it does have any, and it did have a modest opening weekend, it wasn't a big, you know, out of the gate type of deal. And I don't know how this movie will be financially. I'm a little concerned for it to be honest but i hope people check this one out start the buzz i do think it's good enough to i mean it's got to get some cinematography you know vfx nods no doubt i want to go back to the visuals one more time not only do things just look pretty but the way that they service the overall feeling of the world when the camera's moving through the nature landscape aspects of the film Things feel real. Things feel tactile. All, a part of that also has to do with the fantastic sound design as well. But things feel real, and that makes it feel immersive. Movies miss that a lot nowadays. And just the simple shot of the camera following a character and the camera moving through the leaves, that's just something that I really held on to because it was just a sign to me that things felt real Gareth Edwards went places to shoot this movie. It wasn't just on a, you know, green screen, soundstage, whatever. He went places, and he incorporates CGI the way that it ought to be used, as and also using practical effects as well. It's just a great blend of modern filmmaking, using CGI in the right moments, but making things feel tactile and real. I felt immersed in the world. That's what I want from these types of movies, and it's something that I think Edwards does very well. I hope to see more from him and more movies like this. My strong hope for him, though, is maybe, I think he, did he write this film? I'm going to pull that up real quick, but no, he well, he did. He wrote this with writer Chris Welts, who wrote Rogue One, pinocchio the golden compass cinderella ants and twilight the new moon i would just say find some better writers maybe i don't know i just wish that the film had upped it more uh from a script standpoint and i hope john david washington grows a little bit more as an actor i'd like to see him develop a a sharper charisma but i had a really good time with the creator Despite all its flaws, I felt really fulfilled by the experience. I enjoyed it and was encouraged by what the film could do later on, like down the line. Can this movie have that influence to spark more movies like it? Uh, Or at least visually and uh, from a world-building standpoint. It's a, a really impressive film despite all the flaws. Uh, Go watch it. I think you'll have a good time with it. It provokes conversation, I think, in the way that that it discusses AI. I found that to be a really interesting aspect of the movie. Give it a watch. I don't think you'll be very disappointed. It's a good film. Check it out. Continuing off of that, let's get into a few trailers, kind of talking a little bit about what is to come this year. October is stacked for me. Kills of the flower moon and the killer the fact that we're getting a bart scorsese and david fincher film in the same month like i am drooling right now like this is like what i <laughs> really really want so i'm pumped i, I can't wait to go see Kills of the flower moon that film man i am just so hyped for and the killer just looks to be just a really solid movie. and I'm hoping to get to go see that one in theaters, not just at my home on Netflix. So a lot to anticipate for me on the calendar month of October. We've got, you know, Exorcist Believer coming out this uh, coming upcoming weekend. I just don't have a, a lot of excitement for it. I may give it a watch. We'll just have to see. David Gordon Green was the director that I was really enthralled by. And now to kind of see what happened with Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, I just couldn't be less interested in this type of reinvention of the Exorcist franchise. So I'm very nervous. I don't expect much from that film, but we do have some good stuff coming up. And I hope people go watch Kills of the Flower Moon and The Killer. Really, really do hope those are movies that make a lot of money and kind of continuing the theme that I really hope sticks for studios in 2023, director-led films. But we'll just have to see. One of the trailers that for a show that's coming up is The Fall of the House of Usher, directed by Mike Flanagan, a director who I'm not very familiar with from seeing his work but has made quite a name for himself in the horror landscape. And I'm going to go give The Haunting of Hill House a watch. I'm going to watch The Fall of the House of Usher. This is a space that I haven't really gotten into a whole lot, But I'm going to uh, this year, hopefully, with the fall of the House of Usher. I thought the trailer looked really good based on the Edgar Allan Poe uh, short story novel. Um, I'm going to give it a watch. I have read the Edgar Allan Poe book. I I think it's really interesting how Flanagan is going to adapt this story, this older story, into a modern-day retelling. I think that there is a lot for him to play with in that way. Could be interesting. I thought the trailer looked good. That is one to keep lookout for. The trailer for Aquaman 2, uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, finally came out. I am just so confused by the way that DC has chosen to tackle uh, these upcoming years. I just, man. What are, What is going on at D.C.? I, I am interested in how Mike Flanagan can potentially start to – or not Mike Flanagan, a James Gunn can start to really change things for the better for D.C. I, I do hope that is something we see, but I just have not really been a big fan of the way in which they have chosen to – really spread or or really deliver their message. I just I or, or or what the plan is? Like what is DC doing here? Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is coming out in, in December this year, guys, and we just got the trailer for it. We, we we haven't even seen stills, and now we finally have the trailer for it. There are rumors this movie was going to get canceled. It wasn't even going to come out. The Amber Heard stuff, obviously, last year, I believe, or the year before, was a massive factor. And in terms of, not massive, but I mean, it played a role in the overall making of the film. I mean, she's only in the frame of this actual trailer. Hardly a second, and I'm not even saying that in a hyperbolistic way i mean she is barely in this trailer i I, you have to like it's blink and you miss her she's hardly in this trailer and then you also add into james wan like kind of being outspoken in not loving the way in which this film was made and, and just in the way that the studio is uh conversing with him there's just a lot of messy factors here I didn't have a lot of high expectations for this trailer when it first came out and actually watching it. It doesn't look that bad. It, the story itself looks decent. It looks like it could deliver on a, a on a good time. It could very well be the best DC film. this <laughs> year. It's not a high bar. Blue Beetle was decent. Shazam, not great uh pretty bad not bad but not good <laughs> um and then the flash i mean i just don't i cannot get on board with that movie unfortunately i don't see what others have seen it i've seen a few people go you know it's really solid this is what the comic book genre has needed uh in what way i mean i just don't get the love for that film and it didn't get a whole lot i mean it was pretty panned i mean That film bombed and didn't get a lot of great reception. But I have seen some positive reviews for it. I just don't understand that. But Aquaman Lost Kingdom, I don't have high hopes for this film. I just don't. After all of what we have heard about the slew of production issues... For this movie to come out halfway decent is going to be a bit of a stretch, in all honesty. Hopefully they can pull it off and deliver on a fun time. I thought some of the visuals and CGI looked good, looked epic, could be fun. But that could also be a case of Warner Brothers and DC just being so desperate to get any amount of interest into this film that they are willing to show their best stuff front and center in the trailer. That is Absolutely a possibility, and they show a lot in this trailer just from a visual like expensive shots. They probably showed the best stuff in this trailer, that's very much in play. Nevertheless, it could be a fun time. I wasn't overly impressed by the trailer, but I was left thinking, hey, that was a little bit better than what I was expecting we'll just have to see trailers are supposed to make the film look good that's the job of the people that edit cut them make them but who knows how the actual film will turn out it comes out in december we're just going to have to see um dc's future i think is just i mean we're really like i'm not sure if they're going to be able to <laughs> to get it figured out it feels like they've had a lot of uh, a lot of tries at it I'm really hoping James Gunn seems kind of it. Like this has got to be the guy to get them back on the right track because where they're at right now, I mean, it is in drastic need of changing. I haven't really loved much of what James Gunn has said about what the new DC world is going to be, but I'm really just waiting for that Superman movie to really let me know, is DC about to make a massive course correction in the way they have been doing things in the past? If they are, we could be in for something interesting because I think DC has the better characters, the more interesting world. This is traditionally – I am a, D, a DC fan. But recently, other than the Batman and Joker and James Gunn's uh, The Suicide Squad, I just haven't loved much of what we've gotten from DC recently. So this is a uh, – their last kind of like we had this one in the can. We got to release it. Here it is. you know. Go ahead and watch it. After that, though, I mean, it's really like they have got to get it right because I don't know how much longer DC can kind of keep this type of rate up of just kind of half-baked films that don't really do much for most audience members. It's going to be interesting. The future of DC kind of feels like it's in the balance. We'll see how next year uh, plays out. I do believe that is when the new James Gunn Superman movie is going to come out, so we'll just have to see. Let's talk a little bit about the Hunger Games trailer, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. We did get a trailer for it a few months back. We got a much better look at what this movie is going to be, starring uh, Rachel Zegler, and I, I'm trying to remember the name of the other guy. If I can just pull him up real quick. Uh, let's see. There we go. So our lead actor here is... Tom Blythe playing President Snow, kind of the villain, I guess, of the of the other Hunger Games films. This is not a series that I personally have a lot of investment in, like, like other people do. I get the appeal. YA novels and movies have not necessarily been something up my alley. Rachel Zegler was an actress that I had a lot of interest in after west side story back in 2021 now i just couldn't really care less honestly i shazam 2 of a, a, nothing really going on there and then her comments recently are just like i never really want to see her anymore I, I, i'll be honest and i was hoping that she would go a bit of a more a bit of a different route than these IPs that she's going to now Shazam 2 the Hunger Games the uh you know the the Disney live action remakes this just wasn't really the direction I was hoping she would go but I am hoping that she still is going to deliver some good performances like Shazam 2 she was just kind of fine in and I'm hoping that we get to see more of what I saw in West Side Story which was a one of my favorite performances of that year. I'm not really, I, I don't want really to have a whole lot of interest in her anymore, but we'll just have to see, like, does she change things up here? I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that, but I do think that there maybe like people want to see this franchise come back. I don't think this trailer looks bad. I'm looking at the runtime right now. However, here, get a load of this hunger games, the bout of songbirds and snakes runtime 2 hours and 45 minutes. That is insane. Change it. Somebody get the editors back in the uh, the room because good lord, that is not good. That is not good. These types of films do not in any way shape our form warrant 2 hour and 45 minute runtimes. That just should not happen. It that needs to change in the uh studio Sphere. I just don't understand why studios keep making these very bloated blockbuster films. It just, unless you're Mission Impossible or I don't know Christopher Nolan or or you know some uh, existing IP that deserves it, Marvel is not one of those. I was happy to see the Marvels is going to be a hundred minutes. That runtime is insane. Two hours and forty five minutes. I just don't understand what the editors were thinking or what the director was thinking with that type of runtime. Good Lord, that's insane. But I don't really have much to say on the actual trailer. It looks fine, honestly. I'm not very excited for it. Visually, it just doesn't excite me. And story-wise, I could see things getting really muddled. It doesn't really seem like it's that clear and what it wants to be is this a rachel Zegler project is this a um snow like backstory project or or, you know centered film i don't know but i i guess i'll watch it i don't know i'm not a big hunger games guy i've read all three books thought the first one was pretty good second and third kind of lost to me and then i watched the first jennifer lawrence movie and was not really sure what the hype was all about. It's just not, these movies have not been for me in the past. And I'll be honest, for a a, a series that has been so large and has made quite a bit of money in its day, there seems to be zero excitement for this upcoming film. I haven't seen much uh, marketing for it, much buzz around it. I don't know when the release date is. I'm going to pull that up as well. This movie comes out. November 17th. Maybe the hype will start to pick up a little bit more as we approach that release date, but I'll be honest, not exactly the start or or, or the, the excitement level, I should say, that I was hoping or at least expecting from the Hunger Games series, which has traditionally been a pretty big franchise. I'm sure this film will make a decent amount of money, but doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of appetite for a Hunger Games prequel, and I know this was based on the book, uh, the prequel book that Suzanne Collins did a couple years back. And I heard that book was fine. We'll just have to see. I don't really have a whole lot more to comment on here. Did it overly excite me? I'm kind of ambivalent to it, to be honest. But anyway, let's move. Let's move on from that. We got a new trailer for the Argyle film starring uh, uh, Henry Cavill and Dua Lipa. Okay, and John Cena, you oh know, Lord. Okay, and this is directed by Matthew Vaughn from the Kingsman X-Men First Class, which is one of the more underrated superhero films. More people ought to give that film a watch. It's, I think, one of the best superhero films out there. Really good movie. Kingsman, a lot of fun. Other than that, Matthew Vaughn struggled a little bit. He has not exactly been a director that has capitalized on the success of The Kingsman. We saw The Secret of the Kingsman, uh, The Golden Circle wasn't as well received as the first. And then I heard pretty bad things about The Kingsman, which came out in 2021. Not really sure where Matthew Vaughn is at right now. And after watching this trailer, I still don't. It seems like he's trying to make another Kingsman success here. And, man, I just wasn't really feeling this trailer, to be honest. I didn't love the direction he took in terms of making this, like, almost a kind of like that uh, Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock movie last year, The Lost City. (laughs) It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I don't know. I just didn't really love this trailer. I don't think that the angle of this writer, like... Writing the future doesn't really excite me. Just give me a fun spy film with Henry Cavill. Like that's what I thought this was gonna be. The direction that Vaughn has chosen to take this project doesn't exactly excite me. But we'll just have to see. I'm gonna watch it because Vaughn has proven to be a director worth watching. He's got he's got a name that uh, perks. Like I perk up when I hear like a project that his name is attached to. I'm 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 gonna give that a watch. I'll watch this. I just don't really have much excitement for it. But we'll just have to see. I, I'm going to stay cautiously optimistic, but the trailer itself did not really convince me a whole lot. And this doesn't feel like it's going to be his next uh, The Kingsman or, or whatever. It just didn't have that same type of spark in my opinion. But Vaughn has proven to be capable of delivering on fun films and exciting action sequences. So maybe he'll be able to capture that here this trailer was a little disappointing for me though considering i was i had a pretty solid solid level of interest in argyle because of Vaughn's name attached to it now i'm a little more cautious heading in but we'll just have to see hopefully that film turns out all right the last trailer that i do want to talk about is the new disney trailer wish um I'll begin with this First off, I didn't really see much conversation around it. I'm gonna pull up what the the YouTube views were on the trailer, see if that generated much. I haven't seen much excitement for this upcoming film. And like we're at, right, okay, so Walt Disney 5.1 million, 7.8 for the teaser. That was five months ago, the official trailer. I don't know, 5.1 seems a little low to me personally, but I mean, I don't know. That's quite <laughs> I mean that is a lot, but I I'll be honest, I haven't seen much what I'm really trying to get is I haven't seen much excitement for this movie, and I just I okay, so I actually I made a little a little tweet on X on kind of Disney needing to evolve their animation style. I wrote about it, like a two sentence little bit on it, and I actually got uh, my first hate tweet on on Twitter. I, ne- or X. I had never gotten a hate tweet yet. I have on uh, Letterboxd a, quite a few times of I've gotten a few hate comments or whatever, but this was like the first time I'd gotten one on Twitter. So I was like, there we go, Mark, check that box off, right? And he was kind of like making fun of me for making a, a a think piece, I guess. I guess two sentences is now considered a think piece. But anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. But anyway, I just pointed out in that tweet, I'm going to point that out in this, in this uh, podcast as well. Disney has needed to, in my opinion, adapt their animation style a little bit. It's needed some evolution. We've been doing the 3D deal for, I mean, coming up on – 15 years now, right? I mean, the last, I mean, maybe 10. I I just feel like we're in need a little bit of something different. And what we're seeing with wish is a change up, but I'll be honest. I don't think the animation in this movie looks that good. It's definitely not Moana, which I think is the, probably the pinnacle of what they have been able to do with 3d animation as a studio. I mean, that's. I'm not a big Moana fan, but I mean, just from an animation standpoint, that's a very impressive film. What Wish is doing here is still, th- I guess, a form of 3D animation. It just doesn't really look that good to me. And I just wasn't that grabbed by the story. It seems like something we have seen all the time. The Disney female protagonist hasn't evolved since, I mean,. I don't know, forever. I mean, it's been the, I feel like the Beauty and the Beast had a little bit of variety in like that character. And then we had Mulan. I think it was a variety in that character. But I mean, Moana, Ryan, and the Last Dragon, they, this character that we're getting in Wish, I feel like they just all just kind of blurred together for me. And and part of my like heavy critiques here could potentially just be, Disney is just not making animation movies for me anymore, and I've never been, I'll be honest, I've never been a big Disney fan, but I love Mulan, The Lion King, Right, I do really enjoy those movies. I guess just this era they're in, I'm not a big fan of. I think they're pretty creatively bankrupt right now, to be honest, and I think that that shows in whatever they put their finger into, it seems as though that property suddenly becomes just a shell of its former self and just another IP, another piece of content for them to just keep excessively releasing Star Wars, Marvel, etc. Even Pixar, I feel like has lost the spark that made it so special. And I don't really feel like this animation style is the right change up for them. And I just am not at all grabbed by the trailer here. I, I don't know what others think about it. Honestly, I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging into that, I guess. But man, I just have not loved what I've gotten from this trailer and what I've gotten from Disney recently. I thought Ryan the Last Dragon was fine. They're just kind of settling for that though at this point. I'd like to see a little bit of a a little bit more from their animation projects. You know, they did have Encanto last year, and that was pretty big for them, right? I, I mean obviously it was pretty big for them. But I didn't love Encanto that much either. And I know a lot of other people did, but to me, I mean, that was no Coco. In in my personal opinion, just didn't really come close to touching what Pixar has been able to do at their best. And I feel like that's always been the role Disney has taken since buying Pixar. Pixar has been that, like, clear front runner in the animation space for them. And Disney's animation projects are kind of just, you know, I don't know, They're just like they're there to make some catchy songs and they'll they'll make quite a bit of money. You know, Frozen was obviously massive back in 2012. I didn't really love Frozen, but anyway, I, I I'm just kinda not a big fan of obviously where Disney has gone over the past decade or so. I was hoping to see a bit of a change of pace here. We did get something with the animation change up, but <clears throat> In my opinion, it just wasn't enough to amount to anything all that worthwhile in terms of me having any level of excitement. I probably won't watch this movie, but I'm going to comment on it. Didn't really think it looked all that great, and Disney just kind of continues to look a little bit creatively bankrupt, in my opinion. But hopefully we'll see them dig themselves out of that hole because Disney is supposed to be i mean, one of these—and they are massive, obviously, but— they're very much a shell of their former self, and haven't really been able to capture much magic, in my opinion, in over the past recent releases. I mean, but maybe that's just me, and and not at being the target audience. I mean, obviously, in content was massive last year, and kids really did seem to love it. I think that's great. If they're still serving kids in the right way, then like th- that's kind of what the they are there for. I mean, sixteen-year-old dudes aren't exactly. Their demographic, but I guess I would like a little bit more from them because Mulan and The Lion King, going back to those two films, are films I still really enjoy uh, at my age. And I guess they're kind of just sticking to the really young, much younger demographic, but I don't know. I haven't loved the last few films, but maybe they'll get themselves out of that pit at some point. Wish does not appear to be that film. Anyway, moving on from trailers. I do want, think it is worth mentioning the writer's strike has come to a close. Uh, I believe it was the longest writer's strike that we have had in recent memory. And I have told you guys before, I'm not pretending to be a big expert on this topic. But I was happy to see, look, we got some resolution here. And listen, I think, you know, I've, I've what I've actually done is I have done a little bit of uh, digging into, you know, like, the relationship of just like a guild in general or a, um, not a guild, uh, a union, I guess. And kind of listen, where we're, we're, some of these writers are striking, but also like this strike being so long, that's no income for them. And listen, they signed up for that, right? You sign up for that uh union or, or that guild. And that's kind of the price you have to pay. And I saw something last night, which like, just kind of made me laugh where the right, the actors that were on, that are on strike still, they like filed like a, to like Gavin Newsom for unemployment checks or so, or not unemployment checks for like a, Oh, what is it called? Um, maybe not unemployment checks. It was uh, jeez, make it for terrible content right now. Um, they're pretty much asking for money, like uh, kind of like the same thing that people had in COVID. Uh, that Gavin Newsom did use a whole lot of back then. He did not grant them this ask, and I was just kind of like sitting back, like you're asking for money, but you guys are on strike. Like, did you do you guys not understand what going on strike means? But at the same time, I mean, some of the other actors probably, uh, and I'm talking more about the lower end because my sympathy towards the the actors in this case is that, I mean, we're talking about some actors who barely make anything and they're just kind of stuck in the role of an extra for 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 a long time and may never get that break. And, and what we see a lot of from Hollywood are kind of like the the 1% that actually make it into the big space. Think about all the other actors in movies that just never really make it. And I feel like, that's what I have the most sympathy towards from this strike. Do I want like, – do I really care about Jessica Chastain uh, or and, – and listen, I am I understand the uh, – some of the actors kind of feeling, feeling like they deserve money from the streaming numbers, and I, I can't sympathize with that. But do I take like a grand amount of pity that these millionaires – aren't making as much as they would like to from these billionaires. No, I can't really say I have a whole lot of sympathy for that, but I I guess I understand it. And that's about the most I'm gonna give them. But I thought that was so weird, like seeing they were asking for, I think it was like residual checks or something. I still can't remember what the exact term was. I wish I had had that pulled up, but I was left kind of like, you guys do understand uh, what a strike! <laughs> what a what a strike is, right? Like this is kind of what you guys signed up for when you when you went on strike. But anyway, I thought that that was something pretty interesting to see. I, I wish I could find that article, but have I have been unable to do so. Anyway, I thought that that was more interesting, and to see that the writer's strike ha- has concluded, we finally came to a resolution there is good to see we can get the writing back on track for those projects now right after the rider strike concluded we saw that there was going to be a reboot of the office what like what <laughs> what I, i'm just this to me once again shows studios will be studios reboot remake Just put what once worked right back into the cycle, right back through the grinder and churn it out into a lesser version of the thing that people used to care about. Disney are masters at this. They are a master at this kind of recycling effect of a property that people love, but just making a worse version of it and people buying it. That is what Disney has been doing for the past 10 years, and they still make money off of it. I don't understand it, but they have seemed to make quite a bit of money from this type of strategy, and now we're seeing TV do it. We're getting a remake of The Office. Why? Who asked for this? Who wants this? I just don't have any level of interest in a remake of The Office the Office is a show I love. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Do the last few seasons kind of suck a little bit? I still have a lot of love for the show. And I'm talking about the U.S. version. The U.K. version is great. Like, okay, just can we not just leave it at that? Why do we have to get this remake? Parks and Rec is probably going to reboot next, like in the next coming years. Expect that headline at some point. I just don't want this i don't want to watch it there's no i just can't see this working particularly because comedy is just so much worse than it was 10 years ago and comedy wasn't that great back then just in terms of what hollywood uh puts out comedy is not one of the strong suits right now so this is also just not something that I have a ton of excitement for from that standpoint because the office was willing to go to edgy places that's the last thing a peacock show is really going to be able to deliver but we're just going to have to see I hope it works I mean I always am left saying like I hope it turns out good but man do I have a ton of hope for this project no I don't and I'm kind of frustrated that we're even getting something like this like who on earth asked for this i don't know if this is what the writers are getting back to work for i don't have a whole lot of excitement for it but anyway let's move on from that one of my favorite things of over the past month just to see from the fans has been the large warm reception to ahsoka at least from my end from what i've been getting on my twitter feed People seem to have to be really enjoying Ahsoka, and I am on board for that a hundred percent. I am just happy Star Wars fans are getting something that they're really enjoying. And listen, I've heard the show has had its structure issues, it's had its pacing issues at times, but I still am going to sit here and be uh pretty happy. That Star Wars fans are getting what they want. I just wanted to shine a little bit of light on that because I haven't been a fan of the way that Disney has handled Star Wars. They have really sucked all of the uh, whatever felt sacred about Star Wars, in my opinion, has now been gone. We're getting a Star Wars thing every six months. And it's not of any exceptional quality. Mandalorian is good with great moments. Season 3, I heard, wasn't great. Book of Boba Fett, not good. Kenobi, disappointing. I just don't have a ton of love for what Disney has done, except for Rogue One, which I thought was great. And I would like to see more of that, but... Disney hasn't really been able to deliver much on that other than Ahsoka, or uh, not Ahsoka, Andor, which I really wish I was able to watch because I heard that was good. That is some of the stuff that I would hope to see more of from Disney, but they just kind of announce these things and then just don't do them or just like never really deliver on what they were advertised as. Like, I would like to see some stuff before the prequels. And that could be interesting. I don't know if Disney is the or Lucasfilm in this stage is what I would trust to be able to deliver uh, on the very best of what I want as a Star Wars fan. I hope we get great Star stuff in the future, but I am happy to see that Ahsoka has gotten some really good reception and people seem to be enjoying the show. I think that that is a a really good thing for Star Wars fans and the, uh, I guess, community as a whole, which I just don't feel like has been all that uh well handled at this stage i don't think star wars has been treated in the best way that it should have and for it to be getting like good projects like andor and ahsoka those are things that i think fans will be able to cling on to and at least we're getting something like this even if uh the season three of mandalorian wasn't that great or the Book of Boba Fett was pretty disappointing Disney has still Managed to show that they have a Lack of understanding of This universe and what fans Want from it and aren't Willing to take it any Places that are new and I know people Say last Jedi was new Uh But it wasn't a good movie so that's Kind of you also got to do that as well You got to make a good movie too you can't just try something New and then not make a good movie You've got to make the good movie Part too. so I do hope to see Star Wars maybe not have such a nonstop release date. I'd like to see a 10-year hiatus, to be honest. (laughs) Maybe that sounds like crazy, but take 10 years off. Maybe let somebody else try it. Like, sell it. Uh, Sell it. You've beaten it to a pulp already. Uh, But at the same time, if this is a sign that Disney is making a shift in their approach with – Dave Filoni, and he seems to be delivering on things that Star Wars fans want, then that is a good sign, and if he's going to be leading things more than a Kathleen Kennedy or even a John Favreau, who is just kind of 50-50 these days, I do like that, and I hope that we get more good stuff from him in the future. If that's where Star Wars is going, then yeah, keep it going, and keep delivering on consistent on a consistent basis, and as well as good quality, but... We'll just have to see at least the movie side of things they are taking a break on. But we'll just have to see how things shake out for Star Wars in the future. I wanted to end on this. I almost forgot to bring this up. But I wanted to end with this because it's a really positive note. And I believe by the time this episode comes out, recording on a Sunday, I don't know how much longer this particular film is going to be in theaters. But... I do want to shine some light on it just because I'd encourage whether you get to catch it at theaters or not, you 100% need to go watch this. This is the Talking Heads concert film Stop Making Sense. I had seen this concert film a couple years back, directed by Jonathan Demme, who also directed uh, The Signs of the Lambs, so you got a little bit of filmmaking uh, talent behind it. The Talking Heads are one of my favorite bands. And this was the first thing of theirs that I had watched. And since then, I've become a pretty big fan of the band as a whole. I heard that they were going to be re-releasing this concert film for its 40th anniversary in IMAX. And I just felt like I needed to go see it. Uh, and I took my dad. I, I didn't take my dad. I went with my dad to watch this concert film. Only an hour and a half or less than that, I believe. And it was his first time seeing it. This was my second time seeing it. They remastered it. A24 was behind it. They polished things up a little bit, um, smooth-lined or streamlined all the editing and everything. Uh, It looks much better. And this was one of the most fun 90 minutes I've ever had in a theater. It's a top-10 theater experience for me. I actually did a top-10 theater experience uh, your top 10 Theater Experiences list, uh, I believe earlier this year, this cracks my top 10 theater experiences. I had a blast with this concert film from start to finish. I think everybody ought to give this a, a watch. Uh, you know, sorry, Taylor Swift, but I don't... I mean, this is the concert film, in my opinion. I mean, a culminate... Like, great music. I mean, I love the music and David Burns, the, he was a largely behind the overall show in terms of the sets and everything that they bring in the flow of the show. He was largely behind all of that. And he just does a great job in the way that the, the show builds over the course of the 90 minutes. It's perfectly structured. He as the kind of the face of the band, even though what this, film that's so great is showing all of the important facets of music and how it all comes together to paint this really beautiful picture or this really beautiful piece of music in this 90-minute experience. It shows how all of these facets are so important in music and the different people he brings in, the uh, supporting vocals, uh, the guy that does, that's on the drums, everything. It's just such an Im- a great representation of how important each of each component is in order to make music, and the, what they end up creating is such an amazing, beautiful experience that is fun, wild. Uh, I had a smile on my face the entire time, bouncing my knee, bobbing my head. You know, I've seen some people, like, have, like, broken out and dance in the middle of the theater. Like, I'm not doing that personally because I'm not much of a dancer. But, (laughs) I mean, I get that. Like, this is just such a fun time at the theater. Like, man, it's one of of the highlights of the year for me. I was so glad that this wasn't a re-release that I just kind of let slide by. I saw it in IMAX and just felt like I was there, which is just such a a, can be a cliche thing to say at times, but I truly felt like I was there in the theater. And when the audience was cheering, I felt like they were like cheering around me. It was just such an immersive experience as a whole. Just an amazing, um, uh, amazing piece of work and the restoration is fantastic. Uh, it, It the directing by jonathan demi he knows when to shine the light on the right spots and the dance between the camera and the band and particularly david byrne who was just i mean doing so much throughout the whole show i mean at one point he is like just gyrating or whatever on the floor i mean he does some crazy stuff while he is singing uh, I mean, maybe not cr- as crazy as what mo- some singers will do nowadays, but I mean, just doing some wild like dancing and all that stuff. But it was just so fun, so endearing to watch, and man, just so so glad. And I, I, I encourage people to go check this concert film out. It is a blast. Uh, I had a, a really fun time, and this is one of my favorite bands too. So like that made it all the better, but. It's really just impressive as a piece of directing, as a piece of just entertainment in terms of the, this band trying to give audiences the most uh, fun hour and a half of their lives. I mean, mercy, I can't imagine being there when the Talking Heads did this concert film. Just an amazing uh, a piece of music and, and, a, and a show as a whole. It's my go-to concert film. And I would like to see other directors, you know, Martin Scorsese is very notorious for what he did with The Last Waltz. I haven't watched that yet. I really want to after this because it's impressive to see what a director is able to do with this type of setting. It makes for something really special, particularly if you're such a big fan of the music like I am. But, man, I was bobbing my head, bouncing my knee the entire time. I had a blast with it, and I really wanted to highlight that. I just... Had not had this much fun in a theater in a while. I mean, and, and I, Oppenheimer is obviously one of my favorite, my favorite film of the year, one of my favorite films of all time right now. Where I have it on my list, uh, but just as a fun, like snapping the finger, like just good time, man. I mean, this re-release of Stop Making Sense, the doc, uh, the concert film documentary, this is a five star for me, guys. When I re- do my when I do my review. On Letterboxd, I'm putting this down as a five out of five. This is a perfect experience from start to finish. It really is perfect, perfect experience. So much credit goes to David Byrne, in my opinion, for the way he's crafted this show and really heads this band as a whole. Just from what I was focusing on the most, David Byrne and what he was doing the entire time. I mean, him creatively is just he's a creative genius, really, when it comes to music. Uh, He does something really special here. Check out this concert film if you haven't. So glad I was able to catch it for this re-release. Fantastic piece of work. Give it a watch. That wraps up this episode. We got it done. Episode 169 of the Movie Maniacs Podcast. More to come. Trying to stay consistent. Unfortunately, things just got in the way in terms of our release schedule. But we're back on track. Give me a follow on X at... Movie man, movie underscore maniacs twenty, or my name is Noah Newcomb on uh, on X. Go give it a watch, uh, or go. G- I guess not give, give it a watch. Go check it out. I guess I, I'm doing music stuff, movie stuff, all kinds of things over at the uh, the Noah Newcomb X page, whatever. So give it a follow there. Letterboxed uh, movie reviews all the time over there, and then. That's about it. Check out other episodes of the show. Five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much for listening. Feedback is always appreciated. We're always trying to make this show better, and I'm trying to really take this show to the next level. In order to do that, I need uh, larger listenership. So Share the podcast, obviously, all that good stuff, and also feedback. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Uh, Feedback is always appreciated on the show, so let me know. Uh, if you want to email at moviemaniacs20 at gmail.com, drop, I drop the uh, Gmail in the, or the email, I guess, in the description for every episode. If you have feedback, anything like that, just let me know. Any ideas for the show? It's always appreciated. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.